quite a while ago, the government of Costa Rica made a very important decision, and it really set the tone for what Costa Rica is today for so many people. So I'd like to talk to you about this. We've discussed this before, but I find in 2022, we have to reminisce just a little bit and uh, see where we all came from here, why we all love Costa Rica so much. And today I'm going to talk about the Costa Rica gold rush. And it sure didn't last long. And today it's really non-existent. Costa Rica had to choose between being a biodiverse country or a country that would scar its land with open pit mining. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. In 1502, when Christopher Columbus set foot on a little island just off the coast of what is now the Limon area, he was first impressed with the ornate gold jewelry that the local indigenous people wore, along with the fact that the dense green jungles, the abundance of wildlife, and a beautiful coastline was the first things that he saw. He named this new land Costa Rica, or in Spanish, of course, Rich Coast. There was a lot of speculation from the early Spanish settlers that Costa Rica was flush with gold, ready to be mined and sold on the global market, but gold was not discovered here for over 300 years in the early 1800s. Costa Rica's strong economy was established solely because of agriculture, with sugar and pineapples and corn and coffee at the forefront. Everyone was too busy making big money in this way. The exploration for gold could wait. Large-scale gold mining didn't begin until the 1820s, though it soon declined shortly after that in the 1840s. Over 90 years later, in the 1930s, huge gold deposits were discovered on the Osa Peninsula, and the industry grew very strong, spurring gold fever to sweep the country. Throughout the early years, the Osa Peninsula and areas surrounding were deemed uninhabitable, almost considered a wasteland simply because there were no people in the area. It was a dense jungle habitat with no future plans to make it a place where people would want to live. With the discovery of gold in the area, a migration to the peninsula quickly began as a surge of excited people flocked to the area with hopes of striking it rich, mining for gold. Many of those who moved to the area were refugees from other Caribbean nations seeking refuge from the iron fist rule of their national governments along with former banana plantation workers from the Limon region looking for work following the closing of many of the United Fruit Company plantations during this time. The Osa Peninsula was one of Costa Rica's largest gold-producing regions until the late 1980s. It was known for producing exceptionally high-grade gold with a total purity of above 20 carats, considered to be very high for natural gold deposits. Because of this, throughout this gold rush period, the entire region experienced a large economic boom fueled by artisanal gold prospecting. Unlike other gold mining zones of Costa Rica, however, the Osa Peninsula was unique in that gold was not only abundant in the mountainous regions, but also was found in the hundreds of riverbanks throughout the peninsula in sedimentary form. Sedimentary gold, much different from larger gold nuggets, can be extracted 
in an artisanal process known as gold panning. We've seen that on TV before. It's a labor-intensive method of extraction that utilizes a gold pan to separate the precious metal out of the sand and gravel deposits. The artisanal form of mining was the initial method adopted by many of the local gold miners, known locally here in Spanish as oreros. Dos Brazos de Rio Tigre was perhaps the largest major gold mining community that was settled on the Osa Peninsula. It was positioned perfectly between the two arms, Dos Brazos, of the Tigre River and it was also on the outskirts of an area now known as the Corcovado National Park. At this time, the Tigre was one of the rivers with the largest concentration of naturally occurring gold deposits in the entire region. Because of this, for so many years, the main economic activity of those who settled there was artisanal gold mining, panning for gold. Because of their success, dozens of global gold mining companies learned of this area quickly and immediately relocated their men and equipment. (laughs) Could you imagine, huh? What a mess. There were no rules or laws, and this led to the total destruction of the area. Huge tracts of natural habitats, jungles, and wildlife were totally decimated. Deforestation, landslides, and devastation continued for years. The government finally stepped in to save their cherished land. In response to this terrible environmental damage in 1975, President Daniel Oduber, which, by the way, the Guanacaste Airport was named after him. Uh, This President Oduber, he established Corcovado National Park, a protected conservation territory of the Osa Peninsula that spans nearly one-third of the region's landscape. With the formation of this protected territory came significant government efforts to eradicate any extractive activities within the park's limits. And for the next eight to ten years, the government completely banned gold prospecting of all types. They started to heavily enforce these regulations within the restricted territories. While this legislation improved environmental conditions in the long run, for many local people, the immediate impact was so negative, resulting in widespread unemployment, no food, no nothing for anybody. Dos Brazos was one of the communities most affected by this new regulation as many residents were prohibited from practicing the primary activities that enabled them to generate income to support their families for so many years. And then in 2004, the community formed a nonprofit conservation association dedicated to the ultimate protection of the flora and fauna of the entire Dos Brazos de Rio Tigre River area. And it surrounded, and all the uh, communities that surrounded the Osa Peninsula as well. The association has served as a primary catalyst in realizing a shift in local economic activity away from damaging extractive practices in favor of sustainable sources of work that not only seek to safeguard the community's unique natural landscape, but also to depend on it. And to this day, this is what's been going on. And uh, an uh, an outcrop of that Now there's 31 national parks here in Costa Rica. Over 25% of the landmass is protected territory. And so about, what, 35, 40 years ago, they had a real heavy-duty choice. And they chose to go the biodiverse route. 
That's just so important because gold is gold. But seeing a plenitude of toucans and scarlet macaws and sloths and tapers, pumas, anteaters, butterflies, and thousands of other species, well, that's my best choice too. And that is what is the catalyst of all these people moving to Costa Rica. And in a good year, three to four million tourists. So Costa Rica is really good at protecting their land. And this is one of the reasons why, if you haven't been here already, I suggest that you come to Costa Rica. And by the way, the Corcovado National Park is a great place to see. Visit there for a few days. You're going to love what you see. It's just like stepping into Jurassic Park. Pura Vida, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.